we utilize all these different tools that are out there. Those tools don't define what our clients are doing or how we utilize them. We are really trying to work with people who are moving the needle on things that are important to them that we can recognize and we can put our finger on. I'm worried that the point of impact may be getting lost as it's kind of evolving. Welcome to the Beyond Capital Podcast. In our purpose-driven world, leadership is increasingly crucial. We are bringing you the stories of leaders that are marrying profit with purpose. I'm Eva Yazari, CEO of Beyond Capital. And I'm Ed Stevens, CEO of Preciate. Together, we have built and invested in businesses worth millions. We want to show you how social impact can exist in a company's operations, product, and culture, sometimes unexpectedly. We hope you walk away knowing the possibilities of social impact for you and feeling inspired by the potential to do good. This is the Beyond Capital Podcast. And today's guest is Chintin Ponchal. Chintin is a founding partner of RPCK Rastigar Ponchal, a specialized law firm focused on serving mostly impact investors and social entrepreneurs. Chintin was previously an attorney at Allen and Overy and currently serves as a board member at Camelback Ventures. Welcome, Chintin. So great to have you. Great to be here. Great to be here. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. It is it is a pleasure to speak to you. And I first want to just get started by walking through kind of what your career looked like a decade ago. I know you left Allen and Overy, a global law firm, and you moved on to kind of specialize in working with purpose-driven people and organizations. And on this podcast, that's what we do. We interview purpose-driven leaders. So combining that thinking of not only working with purpose-driven organizations, but also being one yourself, what really inspired you to do that and start your own firm? Great question. I mean, it's so much easier when you look back, right? And kind of, you can connect the dots. But, you know, at the very beginning, it really just started with feeling like something was missing. When I think I hear that among a lot of the folks that that I get a chance to work with, right? But for me, it was it was really that kind of bit that really kicked off the journey, right? So I always wanted to be an international lawyer and I had an opportunity to do that in a really kind of interesting and fulfilling way at Allen & Overy, which is you know, a wonderful law firm. But all along, I just kind of felt like, hmm, this isn't actually doing it, right? It's not really scratching that that professional itch that one has. You know, and it took me many years to kind of really come to this idea that, you know, the first it started out with, I said, you know, I want to work with kind of the principals. I want to work with the asset owners, the people that are building these enterprises with their hands and their, their effort. You know, the folks who are, you know, if they're investing, they're investing their own capital that they've kind of built up you know, over their own work uh, in, in their life, et cetera. Right? I thought that would get me a little bit closer to what I was looking for. And so, you know, I looked around, you know, I had, and I had lots of opportunities to do entrepreneurial things within Allen and Overy. And ultimately in kind of late January, 20, uh, 2009, I started really thinking, I mean, sorry, late, late 2009, I really started thinking about becoming an entrepreneur myself this idea that if it doesn't really exist out there in the world uh, in the way that you know you were envisioning it you build it and so on january 10 of 2010 i launched the firm and you know it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't all that big of a launch it was just you know it was me in my apartment in brooklyn with an idea and that idea was that i could do work with 
people who were doing meaningful and consequential things in the world. And I could do work that was essential to or had, you know, what we say internally here, a game-changing effect on what they were doing, right? Helping them transform the worlds that they were living in, right? The people that they were building their enterprises or investment portfolios to serve. So tell us more about this. So, you know, an impact attorney, you're leading a law firm. You're the first head of a law firm we've had on this podcast. It probably isn't the first thing people think of when we talk about impact or social impact that a law firm would be in that category. So what does it look like for a law firm to be impact focused? And I get this question all the time. So I would say that it starts from kind of who we are, how we're built and what we're focused on, right? And so our core values effectively surround this idea of doing meaningful work in the world. And then we kind of grow from there, right? And so we say, all right, well, what does that actually mean? Well, myself, you know, all the people on our team are, you know, experienced lawyers from, you know, fancy law firms that have been doing, you know, the types of things that lawyers typically do. Private equity, mergers and acquisitions, securities law, et cetera. But everyone has come here to this firm because they're interested in applying those skills that they've collected throughout their careers in this field to these types of clients. And to your question, right, what does that actually mean in terms of the the work of a lawyer? The first thing I would say is these transactions oftentimes utilize the tools of traditional corporate finance, et cetera, but are actually different, right? The objectives of the players are different, right? As an impact investor, you're looking to do multiple things at once, right? And the term that we really like to use is multiple bottom line oriented folks, right? People that are looking to drive social and or environmental outcomes through economic activity or people who are looking to, you know, to to advance their mission, if it's a foundation or or a nonprofit, by utilizing the structures and tools and vehicles of private equity or commercial lending. Each one of those instances, you have this multiple bottom line perspective. So now all of a sudden you can use, you know, an NBCA kind of standard form venture agreement for an investment by, you know, a group of investors in an early stage company. But it starts with recognizing that this is probably not a Silicon Valley based technology company that is you know, that you're looking to grow scale and IPO, right? And so, all right, well, what are we doing when we're looking at, you know, a company based in, you know, sub-Saharan Africa that is focused on providing access to healthcare related and, uh, and, and, and hygiene kind of products to primarily women in, in more rural parts of the world? Right, in parts of the developing world. What does that company look like? And what does a transaction need to look like in order to serve the needs of the folks who are looking back at that company and the folks who are building that company? And of course, obviously, the you know the other key stakeholder is the folks that that company is serving, right? In, internally, the employees and then their clientele, their client base, right? And so, you know, I would say it starts with saying we utilize all these different tools that are out there. Those tools don't define what our clients are doing or how we utilize them. In fact, I think they're a starting point and they can help us kind of get to an efficient outcome. But at the end of the day, each one of these kind of instances in which we're kind of working with a multiple bottom line focused investor or a social entrepreneur, the deal is very bespoke, right? And, and you know, where the lawyers come in is, right, thinking about, all right, what are the objectives? What are the risks to those objectives, right? How, how can this 
train get derailed from the tracks, right? What are the things that could upset our expected outcomes from a commercial standpoint, as well as from an impact standpoint, starts with defining those goals and then really kind of diving down and saying, all right, well, how do we build a relationship here between all of the various different stakeholders that helps us get there in a kind of a resilient, you know, and and by resilient, I mean, you know, adaptable and able to react to changes in the market, but also a risk protected way, right? You know, how do, how do people make sure that they're going to get the returns that they're looking for and how are, you know, the investees, going to be able to utilize the capital to kind of execute on their mission. We know the company that you were referring to um, because we've had the CEO uh, on the podcast last season. The big reveal is that it it is Kasha. Kasha serves as a a fascinating example and it doesn't have, you don't have to, you know, use this example and feel free to anonymize an example, but I would love if you could maybe just tell us, you know, like where in the details can you bring in impact where it isn't, but also protect on the downside of, you know, both financial and impact downside. Akasha is a, is a wonderful company. We just celebrated kind of closing a, a really cool deal with them. I'm going to kind of step away from the Kasha example and kind of go broad to give you some some more specifics in terms of kind of your question, right? Where does impact live? So one thing I'll, I'll kind of bring attention to, right? Something that we've done as a firm, right? I, I mentioned kind of some of our core principles. Another one of those is field building. And so what, one of the things that we've done is we've developed what we call an impact term sheet. It's actually a series of term sheets that you know we we make kind of publicly available. And the idea behind that is to include the kitchen sink, right? Every impact related provision that we've had experience with over the last 10 and a half years of doing hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of multiple bottom line transactions and just putting them all in one place and saying, all right, well, these this is the way that these things work in these particular instances and circumstances. And if you're going to use this one, don't use that one because they don't work together, et cetera. Right? That's been a massive project. But my, my objective is actually to make that, kind of put that online and make it kind of available so that people have a good starting point when they want to kind of build a term sheet. But to dive into that, we have a a venture equity kind of related term sheet, right? An event, you know, one that is focused on a company raising or an, or an investor making an equity investment. We have a debt focused one. We have a convertible note one. We have a fund focused one. And within all of these, there are going to be provisions that start to answer your question, Eva, right? I'll give you an example, right? So if you have a foundation investor that is looking to protect mission. They're deploying capital. They are going to be typically going to be very keen to make sure that the mission is in place and have accountability on both sides around that mission. And so you can borrow a concept from kind of the debt world, like a covenant, right? You can put some teeth behind that, right? And we talked about carrots and sticks. You can t- put some teeth behind that covenant by saying, all right, well, you will do these, you know, 10 things that lead to that, that will inform key performance indicators as to whether this mission is actually kind of uh, being executed upon. And then where it gets really interesting is you can say, all right, well, and if you succeed, there's an economic component to that, or there is additional capital, or there are additional services, or it unlocks another tranche of capital. And if you go in the other direction, and, you know, I'm not a fan of hair, hair triggers, but if you go in the other direction and we have a conversation and we ultimately can't agree, then we have to have an ability to get out. 
right? So we can put our capital, our, our equity back to you. And sometimes we have to do that to preserve our tax exempt status. Sometimes we do that because it's a way of influencing the actions of the folks that we've partnered with and helping kind of keep the ship on track. I'm curious about, you know, kind of like your client relationships. So how do you choose your clients? And then more interestingly, what happens if one of them goes rogue and they're no longer really doing the right thing? Do you, do you have to like fire them or have you ever had to? You don't have to say if you've had to, but yeah, no, we, we have, we have moved in a different direction than clients in the past for sure. Oh, that's very um, well and, said. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting, right? For us, we're, you know, we're an independent firm. We, you know, we have, you know, roughly 20 people across two offices. We're in the process of building a third office. Idea is that we will always be a specialized and independent firm that allows us the freedom to be specific and a bit choosy about who we work with. And when I'm talking to potential people that we are going to work with, somebody who says, "Hey, listen, we'd like to, you know, work with you to do X, Y, or Z," there's a question that I almost always ask, and it's some form of "Why are you doing this?" Right? Like, I get what you want to do, and we can figure out how we're going to get there. And truth be told, there are lots and lots and lots of excellent lawyers law firms out there that can do kind of private equity deals and venture deals and build funds and da, 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 right? And so from our perspective, we are really trying to work with people who are moving the needle on things that are important to them that we can recognize and we can put our finger on, right? And so we think a lot about the impact that we have and the impacts that our clients have in the world. And so I'm always, always thinking about the question in my mind, why is this person in it? And what I'm looking for is an answer that is along the lines of something more than taking a dollar and turning it into two. Now, there isn't anything wrong with that. It's just not the world that I want to be focusing my time and attention in per se, right? If we're looking to invest in big solutions to significant problems that we face, it's, it may be a great investment opportunity. No issue with people making tons and tons of money. And our clients, many, many, many of our clients have been exceptionally successful in a lot of the things that they've done. And it's something that we're, you know, supremely proud of, but I'm looking for something more than that. Right. And so that's how I, you know, that in terms of the answer to your question, our answers are how I think about who we want to work with. I think about, you know, the limited resources of our kind of small team and kind of focusing those resources on people who we think are really doing meaningful things in the world, right? And we think that we have some unique ability to help with that based on uh, kind of the experience we have, the knowledge that we have, the way that we do things, the creative approach that we bring to how we look at this kind of stuff, right? That's what we're looking to, to do. Yeah, listen, you know, many of our clients will say, listen, don't call us impact investors. That's not what we are. And I say, yeah, fine. You know, you can think about what you do however you want. But what I'm looking for is this idea that you can do more than one thing at once through your commercial activity. Yeah. And I think what's just incredible about your work is that you help your clients walk the talk. I mean, it's one thing to get out there and say that, you know, they care about impact. It's another to, you know, make quote unquote impact investments. It's a third to institutionalize impact into the terms of a deal. Funny enough, this came up yesterday on a global tonic call. Uh, we've had the CEO of tonic um, also as a guest in the first season. So our, our listeners should know what that is. But as a network, um, it came up from a question from a member, you know, if you care about mental health of your CEOs and you believe that that is a driver of success, do you have it written into the documentation of your investment that your investment capital can be utilized to, you know, support 
support the mental health of the management team or provide an executive coach. Because I've actually seen in my investing life that companies struggle to kind of fit the executive coach into their budgets when in reality, it'll unlock so much value. So I think just to kind of point that out, I think that that's really critical about your work. I think that's, I totally agree with you. I think that's absolutely critical. And then I would say that the work that we do, as you know, right, as an experienced impact investor, Eva, a lot of this starts early on, which is also part of how we kind of start, right? Sometimes it's framing, right? Sometimes it's saying, listen, use this type of architecture as opposed to that type of architecture. What I'm oftentimes, what I'm looking for is, is we're trying to drive towards simplicity as well, right? We don't want things to be overly complicated for a variety of reasons. But in many instances, we can use a very kind of basic and simple structure to document an investment or whatever, if we can satisfy ourselves up front that the impact is embedded within the DNA of the company or the business model, et cetera, right? And so there's, you know, an, an impact, right, as you guys know, is it has lots and lots of different definitions, right? One facet of it is what mental health, of course. Others are kind of environmental. And so, you know, it kind of all of the different kind of facets in which one can be thinking about the impact of their activity, right? You know, lots of people have said all kind of economic activity, all investments have impact, right? It's about being thoughtful and intentional about what those impacts are. And then what, what I think about, right, from a commercial and structuring and legal standpoint is aligning those impacts with what I call kind of standard operating human behavior, right? Kind of, if someone is going to make a decision to buy this thing versus that thing, well, wouldn't it be great if we could align those everyday decisions with the things that are actually better for society? I like this idea of CEO mental health. So critical. My mental health is improved when I get a massage every day. I was wondering what your reaction was going to be to it, Ed. (laughs) You know, pivoting a little bit to the more traditional world of law, mm-hmm. full disclosure, my husband is also a lawyer, as you know, Chinton, and He's another have, good lawyer, though. I know they're not- He's, he's a great one, yeah. I guess he could be an impact lawyer, too. We've had the, the kind of relationships with big firms and the mostly how they express their values or their kind of social impact- or environmental impact is through pro bono work. I know it's kind of a big part of the industry, but would love to see how your your model kind of stands with that. Yeah. I mean, also just thinking about like, you know, to get pro bono, you have to be a nonprofit. Like there's there's a limitation there. We do a lot of pro bono work. We, we work, you know, with a number of excellent legal service organizations. All of the folks on our team have the various different kind of causes that we we donate our our time specifically to, right? You, you at the top of the call, you mentioned Camelback Ventures, right? That's one of you know the, I think the very best things you know uh, are, uh, among all the things that I get a chance to do is kind of volunteer my time to to be a member of that nonprofit. But you know, from a pro bono standpoint, it's an interesting question, right? Because I think a lot of people think about impact less so these days than you know say 10 years ago as charitable or quasi charitable activity and i just don't i completely reject that idea right this isn't charitable activity and you know and i've been in conversations i've been in pitches where like a chief investment officer or the ceo you know says to me well su- such and such law firm was in here 10 minutes ago and they offered to do all of our work pro bono and how you know how can you beat that and then and I say, well, you know, I, I don't beat that in, in the way that you're thinking about it, but I've built a firm to specifically focus and develop expertise around doing this kind of work, 
And this is what we do. And we try to charge a fair and reasonable price for, for the work that we do. At the end of the day, these are complex financing transactions. And I think the market generally recognize that. There's still you know, a bunch of firms that, that will do this stuff pro bono. And I think that's great that, that folks are doing things pro bono. But at the, in the same way that I look at the difference between philanthropy, impact investing, and say kind of SRI or mission aligned investing, I think that there is a great need for philanthropy, or in this case, pro bono services, in instances in which there is no other market solution. It is an earthquake and the Red Cross goes in and there's no way that anyone's making money out of helping victims of an earthquake. Indigent defense, right? Some of the classic kind of areas in which pro bono is critical. You know, it should be and it makes perfect sense. I don't view this as pro bono and we don't do this type of investing work as pro bono. I don't think it should be pro bono either because you're doing ongoing you're part of the enterprise, a sustainable enterprise. What I do think is necessary are pro bono massages for CEOs. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here. This is a new concept. I need to find a purpose-driven massage parlor. There might be some sort that's of interested in my mental robot health. that <laughs> that can work low cost. But um, you know, I, I yeah, I, I agree with you, and I, th- I see what you're doing, Chintin, is widening the size of the pie. I mean, there's only 400 plus billion dollars being allocated to philanthropy in the U.S., but impact investing stands at a much, much bigger market. You know, if we achieve the sustainable development goals, we'll create $12 trillion of market value. And so, you know, being able to service beyond just the philanthropic piece, I think is super, super critical. And, you know, one area that we always talk about as kind of being overlooked, what the the services that we're using in our, our lives and what the impact that they're having. So the, the example that has come up before is your bank account, you know, not really kind of thinking about your bank account as a place where you can have impact. And in, in the case of working with a firm like yours, you know, you are able to have an additional le- level of impact in working with a firm that, you know, has a mission and Likely, I would guess your employees are are also engaged and, you know, you're kind of viewing your your work as holistic and, and conscious overall. So do you have any thoughts about like for our listeners, like how they can think more deeply about that? A hundred percent. And this is actually a lesson I learned early when I was a brand new member of an organization called EO, which I'm sure you guys as YPO members are, are familiar with, right? But, it, you know, kind of, I think it was back in 2012, I joined EO and kind of got exposed to a lot of just amazing thinking around developing and building great companies. And this idea that if you are can be passionately involved with and, and really truly excited about the work that you do because it matters, because it aligns with your own personal values, because it allows you to do the good that you want to see in the world, be, you know, build that good that you want to see in the world during your day job, your nine to five hours, as opposed to, you know, the pro bono work that you're doing, you know, in the middle of the night, because you have to finish your quote unquote regular work before you get to the pro bono work. If you can do that, 
and have that be your job. I think that's to me, I mean, it's the definition of kind of professional happiness, right? You know, I, I like this idea of getting, adding massages to the mix. I think it's a pretty, exactly. pretty cool idea. I hadn't thought about that. So, yep. uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be thinking about that. That's but, the but, quadruple bottom line. <laughs> quadruple <laughs> bottom line. Exactly. Um, but, you know, before this conversation, that's how I would think, that's how I would de- define being happy and fulfilled in your work, right? You get, you get paid to do something that you love to do, right? That's a dream that very few people, I think, in the history of the world have had an opportunity to kind of realize, right? It's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to be able to do that. And my kind of view is that I've built a firm that allows me to do that. And I want my firm to be a place that allows lots and lots and lots and lots of other people who care about the same kinds of things that I do to be able to do that themselves, right? That's kind of the purpose of this firm. And that's also how we think about impact, right? I mean, you know, I, I speak a lot kind of externally and internally about this idea. When we started, because we started as just me in my apartment and have kind of grown to what we are now from there, it started out as me and then some people that were helping me and then me and, oh, this great team of people behind me. And Oh, me. And the best expression of this firm is that it's not me anymore, right? It's, this is an amazing team of people. And that's where we are right now. I mean, it's something, it's probably one of the things I'm most proud of is that in many ways, you know, I am just one of a group of really incredible people. Many of these folks are way more impressive than I am in so many different areas, right? And so my job, right, as a leader is to lead a team of leaders in the impact and intentional world. To me, that's what I want to do. And if I can have this firm be a home for people who are super, super interested in living that kind of life, right? Having that fulfillment in their work, as opposed to outside of their work, or in addition to outside of the work, then I think that the experiment has succeeded. Absolutely. Um, I think you're going to get a lot of applications <laughs> in the next hour because you're making a lot of lawyers jealous. <laughs> Let's do the rapid fire. Go yeah, into it. it. What book is on your nightstand right now? The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse by Charlie Macri. It was a gift that someone gave to my wife, and she read it. She, you know, it was, she was like, this is one of the best books I've ever read in my life. It's just this, it's a very simple little parable about, you know, a boy, a mole, a fox, and a horse. It's one of these books that has, it's very simply written, and it has these kind of deep earth-shattering truths that make you think about and look back, look at your life in a different kind of, you know, different, from a different perspective. That's great. What is your go-to beverage in the morning? Coffee, tea, or caffeine-free? Coffee with a shot of oat milk. Interesting. Name something that's giving you hope right now. This is a weird answer, but the election and all of the mess that's going on right now, it's really kind of stressful for a lot of different people on both sides of, you know, the equation, but we're moving forward through it all. And I think that speaks to kind of who we are as people. Absolutely. What is one trend you're watching in your industry? The movement of impact capital from the original asset classes, right? So can philanthropy then kind of early stage company investing into debt and all of these other really interesting kind of revenue-based models and 
into kind of institution and the public realm. That is a trend that is clearly happening. I'm watching that with interest, but also some trepidation because I'm worried that the point of impact may be getting lost as it's kind of evolving. It's your job to keep it authentic, I think. Yeah, keep them so. honest. As all of us, right? All of us, yeah. right? Authenticity oh, of is so. critical. I was going to ask, do yeah. you have litigators yeah. on your team? But We do. We have we have a litigator, absolutely. And, you know, we have to protect our interests, right? I mean, our client's interests, for sure. Okay, so do you have a favorite resource for staying up on current events and, you know, in, in kind of this area? podcasts, websites, newsletters, anything? I think I think Impact Alpha is excellent. I think the work and the coverage that they're doing is another organization that I, I think you can point to that was built to do this work and serve this space. And I and I think that they do excellent, excellent work. How do you unwind after, you know, reading documents? Uh, yeah, all you sound day? like an intense guy. I mean, that's a good <laughs> thing for an, for an attorney for sure. But how do you calm down? Great question. There's two two things. One, one I think is we're living in this pandemic right now, right? So we're all kind of in our in our in our homes. I've got two little girls, so I'm you know I get to take them to school in the morning on on most days, and I'm home when they get home from school, which is just this unique period of time in history where where parents who have jobs like this are also able to experience that, right? So spending time right now, my oldest is in second grade and, you know, just relearning, you know, basic math <laughs> is, is, uh, is something that, you know, allows me to change the channel. And to me, that's really important, right? And so, you know, more broadly, spending time with, with them is, is amazing and, and super important. You know, and then I'm, I'm not, you know, afraid to admit that, you know, a good mess count Negroni every, every, uh, <laughs> couple nights <laughs> these days or you know i i enjoy kind of cooking and mixing drinks and you know this kind of concoctions and the like um so every once in a while i get to do something and, and try something out last question here on the rapid fire round what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20 year old self i would say don't try to control all outcomes right for me that's been something i've always tried to do right say all right plan out everything and then all right if i you know do this step and then the next step and the next step then the next thing will happen and the next thing will happen and you think you have this plan and you can control kind of the trajectory of your life and i think it's one thing i've learned it's that you can't and you just you got to be resilient and you got to let it you know let it flow and you can make little adjustments here and there but go with it and, and do your best and don't worry. I think it's excellent advice. And to wrap up, you mentioned that some of your investors don't want to be called impact investors mm-hmm. or don't identify as impact investors. And you also mentioned kind of the, the big wave of capital moving from all asset classes into impact. And so yeah. five, 10 years from now, when maybe impact is more mainstream, what role will, will you and your firm be playing in that impact economy? Oh, you guys are making me think today. Um, (laughs) Listen, I I hope we will have been able to build, help build some of the structures that have sustained the industry. I hope that we have been able to lead in some of the innovation and creativity that has allowed people to get out of old ways of thinking and into new ways of kind of finding solutions and, and kind of building relationships. Right. I think that if we have done that, I think we, you know, it will be amazing. And then I think, you know, I hope that we're one of the folks 
that, you know, is part of a large and thriving community of lawyers and advisors and investors and, you know, and, and bankers and entrepreneurs and, and folks who are really kind of deeply involved in a significant segment of the economy that is focused on doing more than just propagating the, you know, their own profits or their own businesses, right? They're doing some of the best work in the world. I hope we're part of that community. You know, I have a bonus question. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. It just popped into my brain, but I'm dying to know, is, are there special arbitrators or arbitration processes mm. for impact? Like if you'd really, because it seems like some of the, or maybe even mo- uh, mediation, just because mm-hmm. like some of these things are so subjective. I just wonder if there are like arbitrators who focus on that. It's a great question. I don't know of any arbitrators or dispute resolution folks that, that focus on impact. I think that in that sector of the world or the legal world, these are still deals, right? And somebody broke their obligations under a contract or somebody, you know, got into trouble with FINRA or the SEC because they were an impact fund manager and they did something they shouldn't have done. I think at the end of the day, those folks are still living within these kind of typical constructs, contracts, regulations, you know, uh, tax law, et cetera. I think the point of your question, however, is, is a really good one, which is just like when it comes to building the deals, it is really important to understand what people are trying to achieve when you're building the deal, when you're trying to kind of repair the pieces of broken relationship. I think that understanding is, is just as important. Yeah. Big new field. 10 years from now, after all these impact investments have been made, impact dispute resolution for all those enterprising young attorneys could be a career path. A new industry. All right. Thank you, Chintan. It's been great to speak with you and thank you for unpacking your work for us. Thank you, guys. Super interesting. Thank you so much. Once again, it's clear that a business leader with good intentions can create an impressive social, environmental, and ethical impact. There is always a way to put meaning behind the mission of a company, and we can all make a difference. You've taken the first step by listening to the Beyond Capital podcast. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to rate, review, and if you haven't yet, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, go to beyondcapitalpodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at EA Stevens. And follow me on Instagram at Conscious Investor. Until next time. Bye, everyone.